From Ranch TV University Studios, this is Beef with Millennials, hosted by Ali Cantrell and Corey Ritter. We're here to give you the facts on beef production and how we as millennials can make an impact on the future of the beef industry. So today we are going to be discussing Dr. Temple Grandin and the positive effect she has had on low stress handling of cattle. Dr. Grandin visited us here at Texas A&M, and Allie had the unique opportunity to film most of her presentations. So today, I'm going to get some insight on Dr. Grandin from Allie. So Allie, how are, are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Corey. It feels great to be interviewed, even though I'm not really the person we're talking about today, but I feel honored to be here. Um, so today we're talking about Temple Grandin. I'm really excited. I spent a whole week with her here at Texas A&M. I followed her around and filmed her and probably annoyed her a little bit with how many times I asked her to mic up, but hey, that's my job. <laughs> All right, so let's just get started with a little bit of background information about Dr. Grandin. Uh, where did she grow up? So she actually grew up in, or she was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, her mother was actually an actor, an actress, and she wound up originally, how she got her livestock background is her mother remarried and her her uh, mother's stepfather, or her mother's stepfather, I'm sorry, her stepfather had a ranch in Arizona, and that she, that's where she got her livestock background, is she actually went to visit that ranch and kind of got to know everything there, and she actually, that's where she got her inspiration for her hug box, which is kind of like the squeeze shoot type um uh, invention that she created. So it's kind of interesting where she came from and how she came about to where, to the livestock consultant that she is today. Um, and then later on, she went on to Franklin Pierce University, which is in Idaho, and that's where she majored in human psychology, which is, it's kind of hard to believe that that's what she majored in the first place, but that also led into her autism rights movement that she started out doing. And then later, she got her master's degree at Arizona State University in animal science, and then later moved on to the University of Illinois and got her PhD. Okay. Uh, so you've given me a little bit of background information. Uh, where did she work in the industry? So she obviously is a professor at Colorado State University and has done a lot of like livestock consulting in general. And she, one of her main things that she's most famous for is the McDonald's audits. And that's one thing she talked about consistently the whole time she was here at A&M. And that's where they made sure... Well, the McDonald's audits, what they did was they wanted to be sure that animals were treated fairly within the packing plants. And that way, their products that McDonald's serves is very much treated fairly. And it's an improvement to me. An over they had a vision of making a meaningful and enduring improvement to the health and animal welfare um, and to the supply chain throughout their their products. Okay, so you mentioned McDonald's and the audits that they do. Is this what kind of started her path on? Is this kind of what started her on the path to animal welfare? I definitely think, I mean, that's one of her most famous instances where she was involved with animal welfare, but it definitely wasn't the start of it. That's where a lot of the start was her working in packing plants. She's in packing plants like nearly every, 
like she's been in a lot of packing plants was in there day in and day out watching the cattle how they how their thought process goes and also um how they were treated within the packing plant and how they can make it more efficient within the packing plant not just in terms of how they treat the animal but if the if producers and packers actually treat their animals fairly and have look think ahead on how these animals think they can actually become more efficient in how they do things within the packing plant and that was one of the main things that her research was on and how things can be improved in that aspect and then also in general that way consumers feel better about the products that they eat okay uh so Dr. Granin is obviously not the only person who has done research or has tried to make an impact on animal welfare. What sets her apart from other animal scientists? I definitely think it's the way she thinks. Um, she, every day that I was around her in that week that she was here at A&M, one of the things she said is she is a visual thinker, which she described as how animals think. Animals think in visuals, they think in pictures. So for example, if you go out there and feed your cattle in this certain red shirt every day, they're always gonna recognize you in that red shirt or for example, even in your red truck that you have. They, But if you show up in a different shirt, that's a different file folder in their brain of how they think of you and like it'll, it'll make a different reaction to the cattle. So everything that they see is seen in visuals. So anything that changes, anything that happens differently will affect them in some sort of way and how they react to it. And so definitely she thinks in that aspect. And I think the fact that she thinks that way has helped her relate to cattle better. And it's definitely uh, something that people have noticed in the way she does things. Temple like attributes her success as being able to have a visual memory and to recall detail and things. So she compares it to like having full length, having full length movies in her head that she can replay and notice the small details in them. And usually her insights into the minds of cattle has taught her to value the changes in detail. So to which animals are particularly sensitive and to use her visualization skills to design thoughtful and humane handling equipment. So Dr. Grannon has obviously had a huge impact on the progression of animal welfare in the beef industry. But how has animal welfare changed in the industry? So I'm actually going to let her answer that question in one of the clips that we took while she was here, because she has a definitely a great answer to that question and how it's improved over the times that she's been working within the industry and also like how it can improve eventually. That's a good question. The question was, who was harder to train, day-to-day people or the executives? Okay, back in the 70s, I thought I could fix everything with equipment. I learned really quickly that's not possible. So I started to train employees, but then managers would untrain them. So through the 80s, I concentrated on training managers because you've got to get managers to buy into good handling. But the huge change happened when I trained McDonald's, and then they had to fix some stuff. And you get those undercover boss moments, and I saw it happen a number of times. It's like, oh, there's stuff that we really have to fix. And it worked because I did not shove any equipment down anybody's throat. In fact, I'm kind of amazed that I managed to get some of these older plants that were built in the 60s to actually work. It's amazing what some non-slip flooring in a stun box does. 
and almost every single plant that had a stun box got steel rods in the floor. Because when we did this, the double D rubber mats did not exist then. They came in a few years later. And I certainly didn't have a conflict of interest with the steel rod company. I don't know how many conference rooms I sat in. I said, don't cross them like this. You gotta cut the little pieces and make it flat. Use three quarter inch and one inch rod. Boy, did that improve a lot of stun boxes. Because what that does is it stops those little side slips where they just jig like this and they go berserk and you can't stun them because the cow won't settle down or the steer won't settle down. He's just jumping all around. And then on restrainer systems, you gotta have an animal come in calm. You know, if you poked it all up with electric prodders, uh, get them all excited, they're gonna come in really hard. So it's uh, come in fast and be jumping around. I, what I found worked was training, training buyers. That, had, that did more good. But we've gotta get them doing sensible things. Because in the UK, you had buyers coming in telling poultry plants to put in chicken stunning systems that did not work. Really expensive stuff. The thing that made me really happy is out of 75 plants, only three had to build some expensive stuff. All the others we fixed with extremely simple things. It's amazing what changing lighting. Light up a dark chute and they go in. Move a light on the ceiling, the reflection disappears. Turn off a one light. Just very, very simple things. Um, the other thing we had to really enforce is the number of animals you bring up. Number of pigs, number of cattle. Like one system, it might be eight pigs at a time. In another cattle system, it might be you know, 16 fat steers at a time. And then once you figure out what small group works in your plant, you gotta enforce it. Because that good handling, you're gonna have to walk back to the yards more to bring up the small groups. And people don't wanna do the walking. And that's one of the things we've had to really enforce. And the minute the back's turned, instead of having maybe 18 cattle brought up, they got 30 cattle stuffed in a crowd pen with uh, two people with electric prodders poking at them because they all turned around on you because they left them in there too long. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's figuring some of these things out. So, Ali, I know you mentioned that Dr. Grandin came up with the hug box, I believe you called it to help with animal welfare within the beef industry and production. Are there any other significant inventions that she created to improve animal welfare? Yes, a major piece of equipment that Grandin developed is called the double rail restrainer conveyor, which she actually has a book on or first published about it in the Journal of Agriculture Engineering Research. And basically, it has a center track or a double rail conveyor restrainer system for holding cattle during stunning in large beef plants. So it keeps them calm. And it, the first system was installed in the mid-80s for calves and a system for large beef cattle. Um, it this equipment is now being used in many large meat companies. Basically, it kind of keeps them more calm as the stunning process happens and leads to less instances where they would have to stun again. So basically, these two inventions that Dr. Grandin came up with are focused on lowering the stress of animals when they're being handled by humans. But is there any way that she's going about testing this and making sure that they're actually working and that handlers are actually handling these animals in a safe and humane way. Definitely. So one of the things I learned from her and like Dr. Hale and many other specialists and scientists is the fact that 
in, if you can't measure it, you can't necessarily tell whether it's working or not. So in order to measure it, she came up with a scoring system that assesses the animal welfare and slaughter plants. So like any time they have to say stun an animal again after the first stun, they add that to one of their measurements. Like in in other words, like are they doing enough in their in the packing plant to ensure the animal welfare is is of the most importance. So the use of the scoring system resulted in significant improvements in animal stunning and handling during slaughter in general. So it's definitely something that she's used to measure whether her invention slash um, systems are actually working. Okay, so what was the name of that system again? It's a, it's basically an objective numerical scoring system. She talks about it in her... Um, it's an objective scoring of animal ha- handling and stunning practices in slaughter plants, and she describes it in the Journal of American Veterinary Medical Association. And then she also just, if you want to go look at her website, templegrandin.com, she also talks about it there as well. Well, thanks for coming in today, Allie, and giving us a little bit more insight on Dr. Grandin. I think that's all we need to cover today. But if you're interested in learning more, I think you mentioned earlier, Allie, that Dr. Grandin has a website. Yeah, if you want to go to grandin.com, she has all a lot of her presentations and different videos on what she does for packing plants and for animal welfare. So take that a look. And then also we have videos taken of Dr. Grandin the week she was here at Texas A&M up on our YouTube channel and go check them out for more detail on Dr. Grandin's impact on the beef industry. To keep up with what's happening here at Ranch TV and Beef with Millennials, follow us on Facebook at Ranch TV and on Twitter and Instagram at RanchTVU. Have a great weekend and tune in next time with Beef with Millennials.